Dr. Geneva Speaks. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. Geneva Speaks, where you'll hear amazing leaders from across the nation and around the world. Your host, Dr. Geneva Williams, a cutting-edge, transformational leadership coach, hopes and believes this show will enlighten, entertain, and inspire you to make a difference in the world. So listen up as Dr. Geneva Speaks. Well, hi there, everyone, and thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us today. I am so excited to be in conversation, dialogue, and rapping with you once again as we look into the heads and hearts of phenomenal leaders, uh, folk who can give us some advice and some tips and some strategies. You know, sometimes that leadership journey is a lonely one, so that's why it's always good to have the help, the advice, and, and the coaching and all that kind of good stuff as you get your leadership on. I'm so delighted that you're here with us today. Now, now let me ask you, um, you know, have you ever heard the word exceptional used? And when you hear exceptional, it always kind of grabs your attention. Well, Webster defines exceptional as unusually good, outstanding, Phenomenal, like Maya Angelou talks about, phenomenal. Of course, when she talks about it, she talks about phenomenal woman. Well, today we're going to learn about exceptional, how exceptional black women lead with Dr. Avis Jones DeWeaver. I'm so delighted she's with us, and she, and that's the title of her book. She's the author of how exceptional black women lead. She's also the founder of the Exceptional Leadership Institute for Women and president of Insight Unlimited, which is located in Washington, D.C., and is a boutique consultancy service specializing in communication strategy, development of impactful research, and in diversity consulting. She formerly served as the youngest ever executive director of the National Council of Negro Women, who, as many of our listeners know, is a historic organization touching the lives of over 4 million women of African descent worldwide. She also had the honor, now I want you to listen to this, she was the keynote speaker to the inaugural president of the United States Young African Leaders Summit and also was a featured speaker before the World Bank. Yes, indeed. She currently conducts workshops and trainings, and uh, she's all across the globe. She helps helps corporations design better strategies to maximize the power of diversity. She coaches. Dr. Avis coaches one-on-one in small groups and through her online courses. And she's just a compelling, compelling researcher, speaker, a sister, a sister scholar. That's what uh, her, her tagline is on Twitter. We are so happy for And, you know, she also helps uh, folk make the shift from employee to successful entrepreneur. And we see her regularly 
as a contributor on TV One uh, with Roland Martin and her written word in the Huffington Post. I am so glad to welcome Dr. Avis Jones DeWeaver. How are you, Dr. Avis? I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Oh, I am just so fantastic, so so delighted. And you know, it's one of those times where I wish uh, I had an hour show instead of just thirty minutes. So we're going to have to tag this as part one of several conversations. <laughs> several conversations. So, Dr. Avis, I just have to start off with: How do exceptional Black women lead? Oh, wow. Very good question. And it's really a quite comprehensive question. It starts out from by, you know, their own sort of special mindset. Uh, exceptional black women leaders, first of all, understand that they can lead and they can lead exceptionally well. It's not about going into a new situation thinking that you necessarily have to have all of your I's dotted, all of your T's crossed on day one. It's about having confidence in yourself to know that you are equipped with the intelligence and with the drive and with the work ethic and motivation to learn what you need to learn in the process of leading. And that is something that I think is is very sort of telling among all of the women in the book. They kind of knew that they could achieve and they ultimately developed a plan and implemented that plan and then did achieve. So it all starts with knowing that you can and then going about the task of making it so. Mm-hmm. So developing, and that, that has a lot to do with that, uh, that C word, that confidence, I would say. Absolutely. You got to find it somewhere in yourself. So, so how, how do women, as the women you've talked to, how do they find that confidence? To you just know, go in there and do it. Right. That is an excellent point because, you know, confidence really is foundational to, to all of this. If you don't believe in you, then how in the world are you going to get anybody else <laughs> to believe in you? It, it really has mm-hmm. to start with you. So, you know, to me, confidence is developed in a couple of different ways. Confidence is, is, is a, a function of, first of all, knowing your, to some degree, you know, being um, very grounded in your material. So knowing that you are competent Uh, in what you're doing, that automatically Mm -hmm. provides a level of confidence. I think another level of confidence is being grounded in just who you are as a person, you know, knowing your uh, history, you know, knowing that you come from greatness, in my mind, provides a level of confidence from the very beginning. And I think confidence also comes in repetition. As I mentioned, you may not know everything on day one, but when you practice and learn and put yourself in that position of working for it, you will sort of work that muscle and it will get stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. So you may not Mm -hmm. be uh, there on day one, but if you keep at it and keep at it and keep at it, you will over time develop the confidence that you need to be able to soar. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a a Mm -hmm. combination of all of those things. Oh, those are some those are some one two three great tips. So so the whole thing about being grounded in material, knowing knowing your stuff, studying, being yeah. a craft person in your stuff, uh, knowing and then practicing. I like that. I like how you talk about the muscle and the muscle memory. You get to practice. You do it over and over again. And then that that 
ever always important thing about knowing who you are, your history from whence you came. Just some great tips. So, Dr. So Dr. Ava, share with us, where do you come from? Tell us a little bit about oh. your background. <laughs> you know, who, who's Dr. Avis and how did you get into all of this? Well, you know, I am a small-town girl. Uh, I grew up in a teeny, weeny little town in southern Virginia, almost in North Carolina. It has a whopping one-and-a-half stoplights, all right? Uh, Okay, all right. (laughs) Which means you can just kind of roll through. You don't have to go through a complete stop, right? Uh, So, you know, very, very small town, humble beginnings in that way. Um, but I also, I think, was very fortunate in that I come from a very strong and loving family who never set mm. limits on my expectations, right? Um, mm. You know, I, I, I'm the daughter of a, of a man who, on the one hand, was a sharecropper as a child and had a dream about not ever working for anyone else and starting as a young boy after his father died, needing to be the breadwinner from, for the family, understanding that he needed to make that dream happen, and he did, and ended up being a very successful businessman, all with a third-grade education in the Jim Crow South, right? So, you know, that sort of um, example of someone who could do in the most, you know, unfortunate of circumstances and with all the odds Mm -hmm. against you uh, was something that um, was grounded at me from the beginning that if, if he could achieve under those circumstances, uh, then certainly due to the foundation that was laid from the people of his generation, you know, I knew that I, I could achieve. So on, on that side, it sort of gave me this, this sort of confidence and grounding that it could be done. And then on the other side, I have a mom who uh, was a teacher, a very, very sort of strong activist in the community. And so, uh, between my mom and my dad, who each believed that as the parents of two daughters, um, that they were raising young women, that they really wanted to have no limits on their possibilities. It, it kind of made me grow up believing that um, whatever I set my mind to, I could do. Mm-hmm. And it's provided me with the opportunity to create a space in which ultimately I do what I love. And I love it so much that I try to help other mm. people to be able to get to a space where they can do what they love to. Oh, wow. So tell me, when did you fall in love with what it is that you do? I mean, what was, well, was there yeah. a, a particular event or an aha moment? When did you fall in well, love? That's a good question. And, you know, I think that it's funny because when I think about really what I do, because I am one of these people that I, I kind of do a couple of, a lot of sort of, from an, an outsider's point of view, it may look like a couple of divergent things. But to my mind, it's very focused around this center of trying to improve the well-being of black women, right, in, in various different mm-hmm. forms. And and I mm-hmm. think that um, really where that started in me was from the very beginning, uh, I don't. I don't even know. I just think it's one of those things. It's just part of my personality. Maybe when I was little, uh, my parents used to say, and, and others used to tell me, I was like a female version of Michael from Good Times. You know, so I was. I was okay. always very. <laughs> oh, I was wow. always very cognizant okay. of <laughs> social justice right, issues and things like that. <laughs> okay, so 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 you have to give us a little short clip on on Michael on Good Times, who was one of my favorite characters. But there may be some in our listening audience who don't understand that. 
So what was Michael about that, that you relate to? I, so what was it in Michael that you relate so that you relate to? So Michael on Good Times was the youngest of the family, and he was also yeah. the radical in the family. He was yeah. extremely yeah. pro black. All day, yes. every day. All you know, day. he was like That's a little right. miniature Malcolm X, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and he was smart so, as he could be. He was smart. He was, he, yeah, he was yes. very academic. He was great at his, right. at his schoolwork, but he was That's also right. unapologetically black, right? And so, right. you know, yes. I think that's always been within me. I think it's part of, you know, me, you know, when we were growing up, not only did I live with my parents, we also lived with my maternal grandmother and, you know, hearing her stories about, you know, what a strong, and also just seeing with my own eyes, quite frankly, what Mm -hmm. a strong black woman she was and how Mm -hmm. she always um, held her spine erect, you know, even under the most difficult of circumstances, she demanded respect from everyone and you know mm-hmm. I, I just I was just so proud of that it just gave me this sort of grounding and within this foundation in which I can't say anything else but I just love my people and uh, mm-hmm. as I got older and, and I, I you know it just all developed a, a love of of me sort of reading and learning more about our, our history and it just became something that I mm-hmm. did all the time uh, and as I got older and got more in-depth with my research, ultimately getting a Ph.D. in political science with a focus on race, mm-hmm. gender, and the economy, and I understood really mm-hmm. the circumstances of black women, you know, the fact that we are the most, one of, among the most educated demographic groups in this nation, yet we are rarely represented at all when it comes to leadership uh, in this nation, despite our abilities, despite the fact that we are more likely than any other women to work, you know, and despite all that we have given this country, it's clear that for some reason uh, we have been shut out of opportunities. It's not that we're not leaning in. It's that we're being shut out. And so, you know, mm-hmm. I really wanted to understand how can I decipher that code and figure out what needs to happen, uh, both internally in terms of as individuals, but also systemically and institutionally to change those things. And that's part of what what I do in terms of working with, with young women and with women uh, in terms of coaching one-on-one, in terms of my book, in terms of sharing the secrets that I've got from interviewing over 70 women, but also working with organizations and corporations and saying, this is what you have to change. We can't do it all ourselves. You have to change too. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, my guest today is Dr. Avis Jones DeWeaver, uh, sister scholar extraordinaire, and we've been talking. Oh, we've been talking about a range of things, but just how 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 important it is to have no limits on possibilities, and that's how she was raised, and she carries that on into her mission to improve the well-being of black women. So, so and, and an author extraordinaire, and, and your book, How Exceptional Black Women Lead, you know, you start off your book, and I've only gotten through a, the first few pages, but I've been captivated, mm-hmm. but I noticed that you started off your book with a quote from the former U.S. ambassador uh, at large for international religious freedom, uh, Suzanne Johnson Cook. And the quote is, I'm a trailblazing woman. For me, it wasn't important to make history, but it was important 
to be the first of many. Why yes. did you start why did you start your book off with that quote? First of all, I absolutely love Ambassador Johnson Cook. She is an mm-hmm. incredible, she really is an exceptional woman, let me just say that, and broken mm-hmm. many barriers herself. But one of the mm-hmm. things that I love most about her is that she hasn't broken a barrier where while she was there, she didn't create a cadre of black women who she mentored and positioned mm-hmm. to be able mm-hmm. to step into that role once she went to the next thing. I mean, she is the actual living, breathing example of, you know, everyone, you know, lift as we climb. That is her. That is how she lives her life. And I, and I, would, I would just have to say that that is a paradigm that, we all should take as an example. That should be the responsibility of every black woman who finds herself piercing through to a new level of leadership. It's wonderful to be there, but it's even better to make sure that your leadership is replicated by someone who looks like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that you're not the only one ever to be Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you mentioned 70 women. So tell us about your book, because one of the things that, you know, I found so fascinating was how you use the combination of talking to, I think it was 70 different women, and, and the list, yeah. my goodness, is impressive. You've talked to the editor-in-chief of Essence Magazine. You've talked to congresswomen. You've talked to mayors. The uh, former, the chair of the NAACP, uh, mm-hmm. just the head of Delta Sigma Theta, just such a variety. You you combine those um, the thoughts and ideas from so many black female leaders who we all admire. You combine that with uh, your own personal experience and tips and strategies in this book. So, what's in the book that we should know about. Tell us what you think are the two or three things that are so very important about Absolutely. how exceptional women lead. Absolutely. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I also included the international president of Alpha Kappa Alpha because that's my sore. <laughs> oh, well, well, you know, well, let me tell you, you had to put, I'm so glad to hear that because Kiwi Soror, I am too. Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah awesome. that's, so it's all good. I know that book is all it is, good. <laughs> it is all good. It is all good. Yes. So, yes, it, it included yes. a, a wide range of amazing women. And I think some of the biggest takeaways from the book is number one, understanding that success is planned. Success is not accidental. Success mm. is not something that happens by happenstance, particularly okay. for black women. Okay? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's something that literally has to be planned. And so we talk in the book about developing a career plan, why, that, why you have to do that, why it's so important, and how you do it. So that's one thing that I think is a huge takeaway from the book. Another takeaway is understand that you cannot get there in isolation. You can be the best person in the world at what you do, but if you're toiling away in isolation and nobody knows how wonderful you are, you're not, don't be surprised when you're not getting that promotion or when you're not getting those opportunities. You need to be able to spread your wings a bit and, and develop an entire network of people, of what I would even call an ecosystem of people who mm-hmm. can help mm-hmm. you rise to where you want to go. It's something that you, you really can't you really can't get there on your own. As amazing and incredible as you may be, you it really does take 
a team. It takes teamwork to make a dream work. It's kind of hoagie to say that, but that's very true. Mm-hmm. So it's worth mm-hmm. the time and investment to develop those mutually beneficial relationships. And notice I say mutually beneficial relationships. It's worth the time mm-hmm. and effort to develop those to help get you from where you are to where you want to go. And I think one of the, a, a, a third sort of major takeaway that I would point to uh, is the fact that, it, and because the book not only talks about career success, but it also ends up talking about holistic success, it's, it's the fact that, you know, oftentimes we put a lot of time, energy, effort, and planning into our career, but we just expect our personal lives to fall into place. And I think it's important mm-hmm. that we understand that if you want a personal life to be a certain way, you also have to put time, effort, and planning into that too. Uh, you know, don't expect that to just sort of fall into place via happenstance either. It's worth it. So it's important to sort of make the time for yourself to be able to create that holistic life that you want because it's not just going to happen. You have to be as intentional and purposeful about that as you are intentional and purposeful about your career success. Mm-hmm. So you got to do both. And, and you know, that yeah. might be the, that may be such a wonderful, uh, you know, explanation to the you know, question we're always asked about, well, how do you balance? you know, life yeah. and career. And I, I think I hear you saying you got to put time and energy in both. You do. You do. And and, yeah, and you amazing. do. And, and the way I think of it is I think of it as work-life integration versus work-life balance. Okay. I, mean, I really want people to ah. picture in their minds like a, okay. a, a, a woven piece of cloth. It, you know, your home mm. life and your work life should be woven together to make one you know, beautiful existence, right? And mm-hmm, it may be mm-hmm. that at some certain times, you know, you might lean more on one side than on the other side given the different circumstances. So, for example, uh, maybe about a little bit over a month ago, my dad had a heart attack, right? And so mm-hmm. I left to go home and spend time with him in the hospital and spend time at home. That took priority at that time, obviously. You know, right Mm -hmm. now I'm having a series of speaking engagements. I'm running up now to do a TED Talk Mm -hmm. in in a couple of days. So right now, work life. So so it's not, thank Mm -hmm. you. So it's not necessarily going to be balanced, but it's understanding how to weave your life together in a way so that you can live it in a way uh, that you are happy, Mm -hmm. that you feel like you are satisfied with your existence, and that it's creating for you that sort of holistic ideal that you would like to to see come into fruition for yourself for today mm-hmm. for tomorrow and for years to come mm-hmm. what great advice so how's your dad doing now he is doing much better i mean his he's his sa- same old self he's back home good last oh, good. good all right that's <laughs> wonderful that's wonderful so if you're just joining us we are talking to the fabulous sister scholar, Dr. Avis Jones DeWeaver. And we've just been talking about some of the takeaways from her uh, book, How Exceptional Black Women Lead. And and she's given us some real jewels. Um, You know, Dr. Avis, it it occurs to me, this question that I have, you you talked about, I think one of the first takeaways you gave us was, uh, success uh, has to be intentional. It needs to be planned. Especially, and then you said, you went on to say, especially for black women. And I want yes. to raise this question because clearly the time, effort, and planning that you, you, know, you talked about that was important for all leadership journeys 
doesn't that fit for women, whether you're black or white? What's the what's the special, especially for black women about? What does that mean? It's it's a couple of different things that I'm referring to there. Uh, On the one hand, let's just be very realistic. Uh, You know, there are there are circumstances where some may be able to get into leadership positions because they're the daughter of so and so, or you know, Uh it's you know, it's it's a birthright. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. something that has to be earned in the same way as someone coming in, you know, that is completely self-made per se, right? Uh, so that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a paradigm that oftentimes we typically don't have those opportunities to be sort of born into that type of opportunity. We can just expect to, you know, just because we have a certain last name, we're going to know that we're going to ultimately be the VP or president of a company one day because that's our daddy or our mama. So that typically doesn't mm-hmm. happen to us as much. Um, and then on the other side of the coin, you know, it's very realistic to also, you know, I, I delve into the data on this in the book. Mm-hmm. The situation that white women face in terms of access to leadership opportunities is very different than the situation that black women face. And what I mean by that is that in this era of diversity and inclusion, what my data is showing that to the extent that companies are expanding their outreach and expanding their their uh, their their landscape in terms of providing a more diverse workforce for leaders, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, white women are, quite frankly, at the top of the food chain in terms of those people who ultimately get access to those positions. It's a very similar situation as what we saw with affirmative action, where white women were also the number one beneficiaries of affirmative action. So I'm seeing that same sort of dynamic play out right now when it comes to who Mm -hmm. typically uh, is most likely to get access to leadership positions. Uh, And so I I think it's very important um, that we understand the reality of the lay of the land. And so that Mm -hmm. is a situation in which, you know, there, there is, in my mind, a very different set of circumstances that white women face and black mm-hmm. women face when it comes to looking mm-hmm. to, to move into leadership um, for some reason. And, you know, we could call it institutional mm-hmm. racism, whatever. Uh, ultimately, what happens in practice oftentimes is that white women are often accelerated through that leadership path a bit more swiftly than women of color and especially black women. Now, I talk in the book mm-hmm. about what you can do to expand your chances in that way, and we go into that ah, in a number of different okay. uh, details. Uh, but I think it's very important that we know that if you find yourself in a situation where you're seeing this happen on the job over and over again, understand that your experience is not an isolated experience. It's a systemic reality, uh, and it's not a reflection on your ability or lack thereof. It's a reflection of basically institutional racism as implemented in this country. And so although I don't have the formula to get rid of racism, I do have examples of women who have been able to um, properly navigate themselves within that system and still be able to excel. Mm. And it's some of those tips and tools that I provide in the book. Mm. Phenomenal. And that's what we're all about, finding out about those tips and tools, particularly um, some of the most frequent questions I get are about, well, how do you navigate? And I, I love you use that word. How do you make mm-hmm. your way through things? And you have those tips and strategies. But again, what I also like is not only you also have the perspective of many, many different women who are very successful, and you have the research. 
So, so you got yeah. it all. That's that's why you sit the scholar. So, <laughs> I'm telling you. So, so tell us. So, if people want to connect with you, they want to buy your book, they want to take part in one of your classes or your coaching sessions. How do they do that? How do they connect Absolutely. with you, Dr. Avis? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, I do want to invite your listening audience to go to ExceptionalLeadershipInstitute.com. That's ExceptionalLeadershipInstitute.com. You can download a, a free career vision and action guide uh, at that website. That could be sort of like your beginning point in terms of your career plan. And from there you can get more information about me, about my coaching programs, about uh, booking me for a speaking engagement, all of that. Uh, if you're interested in the book, you can go to blackwomenlead.com, and from there uh, you can get a, uh, a some information on the book. You can link over and get the book. Um, but in addition to that, uh, there is a free sort of companion journal that I have on that website that you can download, that you can go through and complete as you're reading the book. So uh, blackwomenlead.com mm. or exceptionalleadershipinstitute.com. Either way, you can reach me, and uh, I'd love to be able to connect. Oh, that is phenomenal. And it's great, and, and, and it's all there for you. And, and, again, I encourage our listeners to do just that. Go to her website. Um, it, it's, you know, as soon as you click on it, it, it's one of those websites where you say, oh, I want to know more about this. I want to get into this. <laughs> and, and you just see it there, and it's a beautiful thing. Dr. Avis, thank you so much. Again, like I said, this has got to be just part one, um, and I want to have you back again so that we can ha- continue to have these phenomenal conversations with Dr. Avis Jones, the Weaver. Uh, who talks about, who's written about how exceptional black women lead. Thank you so much for all that you Thank do. Thank you. And for, having, and for having your mission, being the well-being of black women. Thank you, dear. Thanks for tuning in Thank to you. Dr. Geneva Speaks. Dr. Geneva Williams, an expert facilitator and leadership coach, lecturer, and keynote speaker. For more information on Dr. Geneva, visit her online at www.drgenevaspeaks.com. That's drgenevaspeaks.com.